0: It's the Hive Sports Podcast, bringing you all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State. Visit us at thehivesports.com. Gobert puts his shoulder down, rolls inside, try to slam it home, and Rudy said, not tonight! John Beck is on the run, he throws behind him, it is caught for the touchdown! Merrill for the lead, he- Hello, everybody, and welcome to the RSL Sundays podcast here at the Hive Sports brought to you today by myself, Ethan Kershaw, and Alex Maurer on a fantastic, wonderful Saturday night is when we're recording tonight um, off of a fantastic Real Salt Lake game that we're going to talk about today. But first of all, Alex, how are you doing tonight, man? I could not be
1: any better. (laughs) Let's keep it real. That was an incredible RSL game. And not only that, but my U12 boy team that I coach won both of their games today. So three dubs, pretty much best you could have asked for. Ethan, how are you doing, my friend?
0: I'm doing as well as I possibly could be. I've learned a a difficult and valuable lesson. So first of all, I just want to say, please forgive me if there are any audio issues or if I slip on any stats or anything like that. Um, Why could that be, Ethan? Well, I, I learned a valuable <laughs> lesson today, and the lesson is never, ever, ever, no matter what you're doing, put anything on top of your car that you're waiting to load into your car or oh, waiting so to take brutal. in, because that's what I did today. I put my laptop on top of my car. I drove off, and it's gone. I have no idea where it went. It fell oh, off the car, probably. And, so brutal. And, so brutal. Um, so yeah, not fun stuff. But So um, if you
1: see a laptop, <laughs> and you know it's not yours and it's on the side
0: of the road it's probably ethans so please give him a call please yes. send him up on twitter folks yes if you find it by chance let me know that'd be amazing but anyways um you know i we I, I went to the game and i'm in good spirits now um kind of mostly forgotten about that situation um so I, I would like to thank ray also lake for helping me with that but first of all before we dive on into the episode today and it will be a great episode uh, make sure to follow Lovely us shot on twitter today Uh, make sure to follow us at ethan kershaw 9 and at alex mauer and then also make sure to hit up the hive sports at the hive sports on twitter um all right i think that's it in the introduction let's go ahead and jump on into the episode today and let's go ahead and start it off with i don't think we have trivia today so let's go ahead no 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 how dare you we do have trivia i was just trying to get past it okay man let's uh (laughs) let's go ahead and do it do the trivia let's figure this out uh go ahead and hit me with it
1: I'm sorry that you, one, tried to go around trivia and two, now have to indulge me in trivia, but thank you for it. All right, are you ready, Ethan?
0: (laughs) Yes, I guess so. And listeners
1: at home, here we go. All right, Zach McMath, who captained RSL to their 2-1 win over Nashville in a man-of-the-match performance, recorded his 450th save of his MLS career this weekend. What I want to know, Ethan, and listeners, is, how many MLS teams has Zach played for?
0: Okay um i know it's two i would um just venture to to say are you saying you know it's at least two yes at least two at the very least he plays for
1: rsl now and he certainly came from colorado you were correct rsl colorado Colorado. or
0: two of them okay um i'm gonna i want to say three but i'm gonna go another one because i feel like he's been in the mls for a long time and say four is that your final answer you're testing me with that, but sure. Why not? Yes.
1: Ding, ding, ding. I am so glad you stuck to your guys. It is for, he has played for Philadelphia, <laughs> Colorado, Vancouver, and now real salt Lake. He's also played for the Monarchs, but I didn't include that MLS only for today. Ethan, congrats. Your numbers are getting darn near batting 500. So keep, keep it up, baby. You're, you're doing well. Good work.
0: I'm on a two game win streak. Just like uh, you T- are. Tate Schmidt is right now. So, um, wow. That's, seamless that's awesome. <laughs> but, um, talking about transitions, we've just got a couple of news and notes to go over from this week. Um, something that, well, is uh, Justin Meram. he previously had announced his retirement for the Iraqi national team but that looks like it might be changing here. Alex, what's the big news?
1: Yeah. So he has been, I guess, recalled up and unretired. I don't know how else to really put that to the Iraqi national team for their upcoming world cup qualifiers. This means he will miss the game against sporting Kansas city, but should be back in time for our match. After that, I am glad that RSL players are back on the international stage. I think it's been a while since we've had consistent, regular national team contributors. Albert Mm -hmm. was probably the closest yeah, uh, but of course he was left off that Euro squad, so maybe he's not as consistent as I thought he might be. But yeah, I think it's a positive. I think Justin Marum has proven to be reliable and consistent in his starts for Real Salt Lake, so I am glad that he's being rewarded. And it seems like from the press release that he was kind of coaxed out of retirement. So to have wanted commodities is always a good thing, and he can't ever have too many of them. So I think this is a good move for both Justin, and I think it's a positive thing for the club. I don't know, internationally for however much exposure the Iraqi national team gives players. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's pretty much all I got on Justin Miram to represent Iraq in World Cup qualifying.
0: I think I agree with you in the fact that it's good for exposure and uh, and for, I guess, exposure for Real Salt Lake. However, correct me if I'm wrong out there for everybody, but I'm pretty sure Iraq has no chance to make the World Cup at this point. And so these World Cup qualifying games are... Kind of I just, don't
1: know. The press release says RSL forward to face Syria and United Arab Emirates still seeking 2023 FIFA World Cup bid. So I don't know. Maybe my, there is an opportunity there.
0: But also, wait. My, World Cup's
1: in 2022. What is this?
0: Now I'm all yeah. confused. Uh, yeah, I might have to, to vet that and check that. But I'm pretty Iraq sure. Iraq is
1: currently in fifth place, but still in contention for a spot in the fourth round to advance to the World Cup. Iraq's lone world cup appearance came in 1986 in Mexico. You learn something new every day.
0: Well, that's good to know. So hopefully (laughs) he can help uh, out Iraq as much as he's helped out Real Salt Lake. Um, I think it'll be a big boost for their team. And so we'll, um, we'll keep you caught up on those results on how Iraq is doing the world cup qualifiers as well. Um, really that's the only piece of news throughout this week. Um, let's go ahead and I guess, jump on into the recap for this Nashville game. Uh, one of the most fun games I've watched from Real Salt Lake in a while. I think yeah, it probably was the most fun game since playoff games. I last was going to say honestly. it's probably
1: the most fun game since a week ago in <laughs> New England. I mean, it seems <laughs> like true. we've had three really exciting games for different and a multitude of reasons, be it weather or a massive comeback or a packed Rio Tinto Stadium cheering on a homegrown, scoring a game winner. I don't know. There is, there's a lot to be excited about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. In case you missed it, Real Lake in this game had a pretty good game, honestly, defensively and offensively. Um, there was a goal early in this game. Uh, Justin Merrim, as we talked about, uh, just phenomenal passing and crossing in this game, was on point. Gets the uh, corner, crosses it into the box, and Bobby Wood with the header in the second minute of this game. RSL up 1-0. A little bit later in the first half, though, Hany Mukhtar with the great cross, perfect cross into Walker Zimmerman. Zimmerman finishes it with a header, and it's tied at 1-1. But then in the second half, in the 54th minute, guess who? It is Tate <laughs> Schmidt with the second who? consecutive. Who? Excuse me? Who is it? Taters There Schmidt. we go. Thank you very much. Tater Schmidt with the second consecutive game with a game-winning goal for him at left back, which is just insane to think about, scores the game winner in the 54th minute. RSL sees the rest of the game out defensively, and I will say just barely defensively. There were a lot of chances at the end of the game, but sees the rest of the game out, gets the win, is for now atop the Western Conference with 10 total points, and is undefeated. Um, something that is, is really incredible. We've got a lot to talk about, a lot to break down in this game. Um, Alex, what was, I, I believe we were predicting scores. And if someone can help remind us from last time's podcast, if I think you're not
1: mistaken, somebody on this podcast predicted an RSL win, <laughs> scoring two goals, and somebody else predicted a Nashville win. I'm not going to say who. I don't remember. All I know is that if you go back and you check the stats, it wasn't me that got it wrong that's all i'll say i oh, oh, yeah. did
0: it. i'm wrong i'll come out and say it right now i'm wrong i was wrong, wrong on that and there was
1: uh, two people on this podcast one of them was wrong and it wasn't me so i, I appreciate <laughs> you owning up to that how i dare got the scoreline right yeah you just flipped the teams but you know yeah. the most important part but no uh i think <laughs> this game the most fascinating thing through rsl's four game run for me is that we lost points at houston <laughs> if you told yep. me we were going to score 10 points through the first four games and we were going to drop points to either Houston, Seattle, Nashville, or New, or New England, England, I think the last team I ever would have picked to us lose points to would be Houston. So I don't know yeah. what was going on in that game. Demir Krylak played in that game and he hasn't played in any of the others. Ooh, I don't know. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe, D- maybe Dami's better on the bench. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go there <laughs> just yet. But in this game specifically, we did a lot of things well and I still think there's room for improvement. If you look, yeah. Ethan, do you know off the top of your head, how many shots we had on goal? Cause
0: I do, I'm looking right at it like i said i don't have my handy dandy laptop with me so
1: we had two shots on goal all game and we scored (laughs) both of them so our (laughs) our conversion rate is looking really good but nashville had eight shots on goal and obviously the only thing that matters is shots in the back of the net so i'm very happy that we won that battle Mm -hmm. but i do think chance creation is continuing to be a little bit of an issue for this team i mentioned it as we were watching the game live but everything we do Comes from wide positions, which makes sense. In this 3 okay. 4 3, we have a ton of width and we're playing without a number 10. So there's just not a whole lot to do through the middle as far as chance creation goes. I mentioned this in the New England game. You could see in the snow that there wasn't a lot going through the middle in our attack because there's just yeah. nobody there by mm-hmm. the way the formation works. There's just that's not where service is coming in from. And you see tonight, the goals come, one comes off a corner, set piece, well done. And then the other one comes out from kind of a recycled, I think it was a corner or just a good chance up the wing. And then it's a cross in from deep that goes over the head of all the defenders and taters is there in the back to s- to clean it up. All of our best opportunities come from wide. And there's two sides of the coin in that regard to me, how I see it. There mm-hmm. is the positive spin where you say all of this wide service continues to win us games and we're doing it without Demir Krylak, who is probably one of the better converters of wide service chances in the league. And then the other flip side, which is the slightly more negative read is that if we can't create through the middle, our team's going to be able to figure us out on the wings and shut down our wingers. I don't know. I think it's kind of going to have to be a little bit of wait and see from this team going forward. I personally believe if we can get everybody healthy, the best formation would be a three, five, two with Dami as kind of a pseudo 10 that's allowed to drift forward and maybe go to a front three. I don't know for sure. I've gotten really long winded with this Ethan. So I'm going to have you step in in just a second. All I want to say is that that was the best I've heard the, the riot in a very long time. I wasn't at the home opener, so I can't, I can't (laughs) say for for certain there, but I think the last time the, the riot was that loud was probably 2015 against the galaxy. When we waxed them like five, two other Mm -hmm. than that, I don't know that there's been a game in recent memory that was as exciting as fun and as atmospheric to be at than that one.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I I agree with you hundred percent. It's, it's um, I think it's been a great defensive run, which I think you need to attribute a lot of success to this, to this team, to the defensive ability. Um, It's something that they really struggled with last year. And obviously we see a mistake in this game, giving up the, uh, the goal off a set piece to Walker Zimmerman. um, But it, you know, Walker Zimmerman just Walker beat. Zimmerman scores on everybody. Yeah, I think it was on Eric box. Um But you know, other than that, the defense has been playing fantastic. Um, just like a, a bit of, uh, I guess, an injury update, you could say. Um, obviously, we still don't have Ochoa and no Krylock still. Aaron Herrera did get his first minutes of the regular season in this game as a substitute. In about the sixty third, sixty fourth minute, um, came in and actually played center back. Um, replaced Justin Glad who left this game with uh, what looked like to be a hamstring injury. Hopefully that is not serious. Justin Glad is a huge piece of this team um, and this team's success. And so uh, Herrera slotted in and actually played quite well at that spot. Um, There were times where he looked like he might have been a little out of position, but covered up pretty well using his speed. Um, And then it's worth noting as well that Sergio Cordova, who subbed into this game, and played fantastic, played very, very well. Um, great play up top, setting up guys left and right, great passing, great heading. Um in this game, he he got uh, a little banged up a little late. Um you could tell he was noticeably limping around. and um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about Pablo's press conference today. Goodness, that was um uh, that was amazing to watch and listen to But it was really? funny because he said in the post-conference, he was he said he was yelling at Sergio Cordova on the field. And he said, if your leg falls off here in this game, it's not a problem. We can find someone else next week. Just keep going. Um, they were out of subs in this game, so they couldn't bring him off. So Sergio Cordova did pick up an injury. It looks like he he may miss some time. It depends on how serious it is. We, we will, uh, I guess, find that out um, in media availability this week, probably on Tuesday is when we'll find that out let you guys know but um, it's something to be you know to to watch a little bit Marcelo Silva also not available in this game due to an injury doesn't appear to be super serious so we'll see how much time he misses with that but we were talking about you know center back being the deepest position on this team and now suddenly it's like we've got Kapelhoff, we've got Eric Holt like if we want to keep using this formation we may get down to like using Haziel Orozco which I'm not totally mad about and I think it makes
1: a lot of sense to continue to use this formation Pablo yeah. has said that it, in a perfect world they're probably playing in a 4231 and I don't know that it gets much more perfect than the results we've seen thus far with the 343. 3. Yep. I for my money it is the most comfortable we have looked in a setup in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Even going back to last year when we made our Western Conference final run, we switched to a 4231 right going into the playoffs. And even then we didn't, again, we didn't create a ton of chances in Seattle. We squeak out of there with a win. If, if not, you know, if Dami doesn't hit a 92nd minute winner in Kansas city, I think we have very different feelings towards the end of last year. So I think if we can stick with this three, four, three and really, really work out some of the kinks, unlike we were able to last year, I, I don't see how you move away from something that's garnered you 10 points through four games. And not to get too formulaic, but I think in this review, we could do well to go from defense, midfield, and forwards in our review. And if we're starting with defenders, as you mentioned earlier, we've cycled through now Marcelo and Justin, who both appear to be injured. And there really wasn't a whole lot lost when we brought on Aaron Herrera and moved Eric Holt to the middle, who has been fantastic to start Mm -hmm. this year. I think he is due a lot of praise because he was on the receiving end of a lot of hate last year. Some deserved maybe some not but he has been really comfortable on that right center back position and unfortunately tonight he was forced into the middle because of Justin's injury and I was stunned to see Johan not Johan Kappelhoff not put into that spot and I think that's a testament to how much trust Pablo Mastroeni has in Eric in Eric Holt and as you said I I mentioned during the game that I think I should have knocked on wood that center back was our deepest position because not only do we have Hazy Alorosco waiting in the wings and Aaron Herrera, who can play the position and Zach Farnsworth whenever he gets healthy, Mm -hmm. which is hopefully sometime this season. I don't know. That one seems to be lingering for quite some time now. And not only could we have all those guys, we could then go to two center backs if we needed to. Yeah. So the, the defense for me is, has been the shining point of this, run so far, you know, we give up some, some disappointing goals in new England, but other than that, I mean, there just really aren't a ton of mistakes. It's individual stuff that I think you can fix as Pablo would say with a lot of mentality tweaks. I don't know. It's, it's a guy getting beat one V one versus Walker Zimmerman. That's not a systemic thing that I'm really all that worried
0: about. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Are you, um, no, not necessarily. Um, and you know, thinking about this, this systemic thing that, that has got going right now, I, I think I agree with you. They can stay in this formation. I think they do. As, I, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, I almost think that that Pablo can keep the same formation and use Aaron Herrera at that center back position again. I don't know that Haziel Roscoe's needed to necessarily start. Maybe he comes off the bench. Oh, but in I want you so bad. I, want I know. So bad. I do too. I do too. But think about this. I, I'm not going to be able to remember the exact games, but last year there were instances where he also like used Aaron Herrera at that center back spot. And Andrew Brody on the same side. And they used overlapping um, runs on the inside and outside to be able to get through in the attack and cross balls in. And it was extremely, yeah. extremely effective. When you have two guys that have that kind of attacking ability, um, it's a little worrisome defensively. But then, you know, I mean, Kappelhoff exactly. played really well in this game. We, we talked about how well Eric Holt's been doing. Um, I guess that's the last thing that I'll kind of rehash on the defense. That, is that, but that is where great. I have
1: that's right. I agree with you. That they play great, but with Aaron Herrera playing in that position, you gain so much going forward, but I do think you lose a lot positionally in yep. transition. Cause not, they were effective going forward, but we got absolutely demolished on the counter last year in so many opportunities and so many games, just because mm-hmm. we've got a center back making an overlapping run to the end line to try to get across into Demir Kralak. And so you leave yourself really exposed. And that's why I like this three center backs with three actual center backs with mm-hmm. Justin Glad, Eric Holt, and Johan Kappelhoff. And that's why for my money, I think Haziel Roscoe, and maybe he maybe he earns a start in training this week and we see him in that position. And maybe it was too big of a moment to give him you know, his first MLS minutes. But I, I think there's something to be said for having a true center back playing that spot. And then you have Aaron Herrera next to him. If he's yep. fit and ready to go 90 next week, you play him in and Andrew Brody's role. And then I think that gives... Uh, Hazi Orozco even more cover because obviously Aaron can do a lot of the defensive work that Andrew Brody maybe isn't as steady at so I think there's a lot to be optimistic about um the defense that hasn't even been poor to this point I don't think it needs to be you know cautious optimism I think we are a solid defensive team and under a Pablo Mastroeni who's a historically very good defensive coach I think that's a great thing
0: yeah I agree and Last thing that I think I'll touch on the defense uh, is Tate Schmidt, who, I mean, he doesn't play like the best defense in the world, but he's been very solid at that left wing back spot. And it's been kind of a, a I guess, a place of need. Andrew Brody had filled in quite well at that spot, but wasn't getting, I guess, consistent enough for my liking. Um, Tate Schmidt has been fantastic and very yeah. well may have played himself into a starting position when Aaron Herrera comes back from injury and is fully healthy. And can go a full 90 minutes. I don't know um, how you take him off. Yeah.
1: I mean, how absolutely. are you gonna tell that guy that somebody's taking his spot? I don't think you can. Yeah. I mean, there's have there been any goals down Taters' side through the last two, three games? I don't I mean there haven't. Seattle didn't score at both of New England's goals came. Oh, maybe the cross into Josie, I guess. But that, that's that's yeah. that's nitpicky. He's been fantastic.
0: Yeah. And and I mean, this game, this game was a little iffy. There were a couple of times where he got beat, but it wasn't it didn't kill us.
1: You know, but he and his, was left, his left foot going forward and i mentioned this as we were watching but his goal i don't think gets scored by a right footed player playing left wing back yep that is in stride bouncing ball in crazy wind over the tops of three defenders in a split second and he nutmegs the goalie i don't think a right footed player scores that goal maybe they do maybe andrew brody can pull it off but the advantage of having a left footed player in that position is paramount for me and it's the key to a lot of our success i mean that that goal, I just don't think that goal happens with a right-footed player. It's as simple as that. And so I'm extremely pleased with the steps he's taken to force himself into the starting 11. And at this point, I don't know how you take him off. I don't know that yeah. you can. I don't know how you do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, his his shots have been fantastic in the last two games for his goals that he's scored. And I asked him kind of in the post game presser about his confidence. I said, you're playing with a lot of confidence right now. Like, how confident are you to be able to be a consistent starter in this league And also to be a consistent contributor to your team scoring goals. And he said, you know, it's not really so much the confidence that I have in myself, but it's really the confidence that I have in my teammates and that they have in me. He said that, you know, the way we work together, the way that they have confidence in me just gives me more confidence in my abilities going forward in the attack and and playing defense. And so it's something that's really helped him. Um, He said the energy and the vibes in the locker room are just like awesome. Like it's just like family life. They all like love and trust each other. And so that's something that's awesome to hear. But Tate Schmidt really coming out of kind of nowhere this year. No one, I guess, yeah. really expected this kind of pro- productivity from him. And he's been I mean, great. I watch a lot of Monarchs games. This isn't dude Tate Schmidt. I mean, yes. I like
1: he was always a good Monarchs player, but those aren't the ones you normally see waltz into the lineup and score back to back game winners. You know what yep. I mean? Like, it's, yeah. just, it's, it's 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 it is similar to Aaron Herrera, who, you know, went kind of a different path, went to college developed, I don't know, maybe quote unquote late and develops into one of the best right backs in major league soccer. I mm-hmm. it's, it's I think important to recognize and be cognizant of the fact that not all of these guys are going to be teenage phenoms. A lot of them are going to come up later. And I think, uh, taters, I apologize. I almost called him Schmidt <laughs> taters is a really good example of that. And if we're talking about all this defensive prowess and how well the defense played. I think it's important to note if we move up a ladder up to the midfield that Pablo Ruiz and Scott Caldwell specifically have been really, really good ball winners for us in the midfield. And not only that, but they've been extremely good connectors of defense to attack. Having our center backs be able to play through them is something I don't think we had last year. I think we played a lot more kickball last year and this year we're seeing, especially a guy like Kapelhoff come in and take guys not necessarily take guys on one-on-one but be able to pass around guys and move forward with intent is something
0: that was was missing last year for me yeah definitely um I I think that I can't remember who it was it might have been Lucas Muller who mentioned um about Scott Caldwell when we first got him and said his stats are pretty similar to those of Nick Beasler. and I was like well I hope he's not like Nick Beasler. <laughs> um but he's actually been a pleasant surprise he's been very good for the team um, He's been fantastic.
1: He hasn't much made, like entertainers. Like like how do you take him off?
0: Yeah. He hasn't made like any bone crushing, like mistakes or errors that Nick Beasler was kind of propensed to making at points throughout last, the, like last season. You know, I, I think there were times where Beasler would give the ball away in bad spots. I don't see Caldwell doing that. He's been playing pretty good defensively as well. Um, so like he looks very solid there. Uh, Pablo Ruiz had a couple of bad giveaways in this game. Um, he didn't play terribly. He was like, okay in this game, but, like there were some times where he gave away some pretty bad passes or had a bad dribble, bad touch and, or and, and not to be a,
1: not to be a Pablo apologist, but I yeah. am. I think these kind of performances are actually really important for his development because we've talked yeah. about going into the season for him, from my perspective, it's all about consistency for him. Mm-hmm. And in this game, he was consistent. I mean, there yeah. are you know, there's a few misplaced passes here and there. But he didn't have, as you said, any bone-crushing mistakes. Like yeah. There was nothing that led immediately to a goal. He kept his shots low. Thank goodness. A couple of them were even on – well, I guess they weren't on target because we only had two. Mm-hmm. But a couple of them were almost <laughs> on target. So yeah. for me, that is a major part of his development is being able to be not the the focal point of the defense, to just be steady – And to provide cover and to win balls in the midfield and to keep the ball on the ground and pass forward. And I think this was a really, a really good game from him in that regard, not necessarily flashy or I don't think anything he did will show up on a highlight reel, Mm
0: -hmm. but to
1: be a steady presence at his age is, is important. And being able to do that day in day out is what's going to make him, I think a really valuable starter for us.
0: Yeah, it's made him, uh, you know, it's, I guess, given him the ability to play a little more freely in the midfield, which has been nice to see out of him. Um, Zach McMath in this game was nothing short of incredible. Um, I think, I, I don't know how other goalkeepers around the league are playing right now, but if you're asking me and probably some other people around the league, like, who gets the the goalkeeper of the year up until like right now? Like if you're looking at current things, <laughs> up like into like, four games I, of a 30, I know I know it's four, four games, games of the season, <laughs> but like he has been fantastic in every single game this year so and far I, and in I all I four gotta, games.
1: I got to eat some crow because I was very anti Zach McMath. I wanted mm-hmm. to see Beavers or up, get those minutes, and I've got to I've got to put my hand up and say I was absolutely wrong. The one yeah. thing that I think is still to be desired from Zach is his distribution. Mm -hmm. I, you just can't really play out of the back much with him. It's just not really an option. Mm -hmm. It's just a lot of his kicks just go very long and that's okay. If it's not in your game, then don't try to force it. Mm -hmm. But as a shot stopper, he's been incredible. And to the point where I think he's made some saves that I don't know that Ochoa makes Mm -hmm. and a lot like taters and a lot like Scotty Caldwell, how do you take this guy off? Yeah, Yeah, Um, Pablo said he doesn't want to tinker and I don't blame like I don't know what you change. Like if it's working, let's just keep rolling the dice. But I I think Zach's been incredible. And it's important to me that he wore the captain's armband. He was kind of a leader in the locker room throughout the the dark ages of ownership under he who shall not be named. He was a major proponent of us refusing to play during the protests of last year. Mm -hmm. And proven to be a leader in the locker room. And one thing I am curious about is Justin Glad and his road to captaincy, because he mentioned in the pregame with Nada Manuha before the New England game that that is a goal of his. So I would like to see him at some point get the captain's armband. But for now, I think Zach is a worthy steward of the armband.
0: Yeah, I, I think he's earned it. Um, we You know, in the postgame pressure, I think it was Tom that asked him about his confidence and said, when was the last time you felt this confident? And he said, I haven't felt this confident since like like 17, 18, when I was playing with Colorado back when Pablo was there too. I mean, we had a good stretch of games there. And so you're seeing this confidence from Zach McMass show through. There was another game earlier. I think it was, it was either Seattle. I think it was Seattle. Actually, there was a save. He had that he jumped out and dope and like saved the ball with one hand. Um, just barely getting the ball this game. I I watched it when I came home. My wife actually had the replay of the game going and I I watched the save. He is, his body is going one way and his motion is going one way, but the shot is to the other side of him. So while he's moving one way, he sticks his left hand out the other way. And he's like moving the opposite direction and he stops the shot. Like just incredible reaction skills. Um, It's something that, you know, we have not seen yet from Zach McMath and we're seeing it this year. And thank goodness we are good. He's been really Um, good. yeah i really no words to describe how mcmath's been doing because there's no word to describe how (laughs) how amazing he's been lately but um you know he's been great and so david ochoa take your time i was gonna say if
1: ochoa is healthy at the weekend do you
0: play him in kansas city oh that's a tough question and i know i don't i don't think you can not yet not yet i think I, i agree. I, think and you I, I can't
1: believe I'm saying that, but I, I think I agree. And I, you know, I am all for giving young players opportunities, even when it might not be the easiest thing to do, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, they shouldn't be, you know, given anything. They should have to earn it clearly. And I, yeah, I really don't know. That's a tough one. That's a tough yeah. one, but I don't, I, I don't think, I don't see how you drop McMath from
0: the lineup. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's not a, a ton to talk about with the Fords in this game. I think Bobby Wood played great. We talked a little bit about Sergio Cordova, um, Michael Chang played pretty solid in this game. Justin Merrim, we talked about how he was on point. So the forwards did a great job in this game.
1: One um, quick thing I would like to point out is that for in it. the postgame pressers, Pablo mentioned that Bobby Wood has been sick and like throwing up the last yeah. two days before this game
0: mm-hmm. and
1: then comes out and gives us 60 hard minutes and a flicked on header to give us the early lead. Like, what a guy. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure we'll get to this in the postgame, but this speaks a lot to the mentality that Pablo's been talking about. It's just... Every guy is giving absolutely everything to this team right now. And I just I love to see it. And so I'm tipping my cap to Bobby for I don't know if you can call this a Jordan flu game, but you know it's not not a flu game in my opinion. So congrats to him on the goal. And I don't know that we're at the U.S. Men's national team conversation just yet with Bobby Wood, but you keep scoring goals, and I don't know how you get left off a roster. Well, I mean he's not on the roster, but going forward into the world cup, there's still time to earn a spot on that team. And nobody's really claimed the number nine rule. So TBD, I don't know. Yeah,
0: no, it's uh, something to, you know, watch for It's if Something to watch can, for sure. Yeah. If he can continue to keep, be consistent as a goal scorer in the league. Um, yeah. It's a thing where you look at him, and you say, you know, how can you not look at this guy and bring him into the team possibly? So we'll keep an eye on that as well. Um, for me, the last bit of kind of analysis on this game, on the recap, um, I talked about Pablo's press conference and you just barely mentioned that. We're going to dive on into that right now. Um, he talked about confidence and he said confidence is the Holy grail in this league. It's something that's key. You need to have Zach has it. And he was a leader in this game and he feels very comfortable, obviously in the role that he's in. Um, he also said that the team is approaching every game as if it were a playoff game. That's something incredible to look at. He, t- he referenced the games last year where, for a while, that's how they felt, man. There was It was must-win games at the end of the season and then even into the playoffs. And now they've just continued to have that mentality of every game's a playoff game, all the points matter. So that's why they've been consistent is because they've had this mentality, their eye on the prize in the long-term goal of the season, which is great to see. Um, he also mentioned, too, about practice. He said practice is very intense. And he said that at times <laughs> he even had to dial it back at practice. Like sometimes the guy slides in for a tackle and he says, Oh, hold on. Like, slow it down. Let's, and he like, mentioned at times that he feels down, more down. like a
1: referee than a coach. in yep. those
0: words. Yeah, exactly. Kind of managing the practices and making sure they're not so incredibly att- intense. It sounds like guys are going all out and practice. These guys want these wins. They're hungry for it. And they're showing up with results. And so um, Pablo just preached this in the postgame and just talked about how much he loves the guys, how happy he is with how the team's playing right now. Everything seems to be clicking And Tom even asked him, you know, are you even a little bit shocked that your team is in this position at this point, undefeated throughout the season so far? And he sat there for a while and thought about it, but he just talked about how much he has confidence in this team. He said, no, I'm not shocked. Not at all. He's like, other people might be shocked, but other people aren't there for all the practices that we go through. I'm confident in this team, and I know that we could get to this point, and here they are. So that's kind of my ending analysis on this game. Alex, finish us off, man.
1: Yeah, if you have to have all that confidence or if you, if you do have all that confidence in your team and yet a guy like Johnny Menendez continues to be left off the bench or left on the bench, mm-hmm. gotta kind of wonder if he's just not a practice player. Cause yeah. if, if he's giving all this praise to guys going all out in practice and all about this mentality and this, um you know, next man up kind of mantra that he's instilled in this team, I, you just wonder if Johnny just doesn't show up to practice, and some players are yep. just like that. I mean, it's mm-hmm. you, remember you do. It, it, this is a job for these people, mm-hmm. and it's like some people just give more in certain aspects of jobs than others. And so maybe Pablo needs to see stuff in practice to be able to reward it with gameplay. But it's hard for me to understand how a guy like Bodie Davis can get in to the match in very crucial minutes, and Johnny Menendez can't. Mm -hmm. And maybe this is a culture thing where Pablo needs guys going hundred percent in practice. And I totally get that and it's working. So I'm not going to say, I'm not going to put a kibosh on that or anything, but I am, it's, it's officially getting to the point for me where Johnny Menendez is so not a contributor and not a guy to be relied upon that. I wonder if it's time for the club to move on. I it's only four games into the season. I know, but the excuse last year was that he didn't fit in the three, five, two. In this formation, there are two wingers that are absolutely dedicated wingers. They are not wingbacks. There's other guys in this formation that are, but there's Michael Chang and Justin Miriam, and neither of those guys offer much defensively. So if, if if Johnny not being very good at defense was the excuse last year, it doesn't really work for me this year because he's not. those positions are not being tasked to defend a whole lot. So that would be my one last little takeaway from this game is what can we see from Johnny Menendez And is it just a practice thing, or is he just not up to snuff? Because when he comes into the game in New England, I think he changes the pace of that game and turns it around for us in a lot of his link-up play and his ability to move the ball forward very quickly. I want to see more of him, but I do think it's a team-is-the-star kind of he-has-to-earn-it-in-practice thing, which, I don't know. The results are there and in Pablo's favor, so I don't think you can speak against his ideas here. So I would like to see him hopefully maybe take this on the chin and show up to practice. I don't know if that, if that is the issue, just give it a little extra in practice and see if we can see something out of him that we haven't to this point.
0: Yeah. Kind of hinting towards the next game. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see no Justin Maram um, for this next game. Um, Sergio Cordova looking a little injured, so it's possible we will be without them, uh, might force Jonathan Menendez into a start. So we'll see. We'll keep our eye on that for the starting lineups as they come out. Or Bodie um, Davis, week. I guess. Bodie Davis, yeah. Because <laughs> he's apparently ahead of him on the death chart. <laughs> Bodie Davis getting his first MLS minutes in this game, getting subbed in at about the 79th minute, I would say. Um, playing out the rest of the game. Played pretty solid. Wasn't fantastic. Wasn't catching the eye, per se. But... And
1: then gets absolutely curb stomped by Dax McCarty in the yep. 96th minute. If you haven't seen this, go watch it. He's trying to kill time. He goes down by the corner flag after a shove in the back. And then Dax McCarty just absolutely stomps in like, it's kind of like a weird back, like heel kick, right? Like directly into his chest. It should be, in my opinion, it should be probably a three game suspension because it is 100% intentional, but I guess the league will, will handle that one.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely could be. Not a great day for uh, Dax McCarty. Probably one of the dudes who actually had a worse day than me um, today. He got <laughs> subbed in in the 74th minute, picks up a yellow card in the 93rd minute, and then gets a straight red in the 95th minute sent off. So, um, you know, disappointing on his end, but, you know, happy for us as RSL fans to uh, to get the win in this game. Um, last thing that I will end on in this game, guess moving forward, and even look forward to the next game um, that we'll talk about in a sec, but moving forward, When you got Aaron Herrera back healthy, fully healthy, um, I would say pick two out of the three, but I think Aaron Herrera is an auto lock. So I guess if you're looking over at that left spot um, where Tate Schmidt has been playing and starting recently, who do you start going forward? I think it's pretty close, and it's between Andrew Brody and Tate Schmidt. For me, I'm going to take Tate Schmidt because what we've seen out of him lately has been consistent. It's been stuff that I wasn't seeing on the left side out of Andrew Brody.
1: Yeah. And again, I, I don't know who Tate Schmidt is, who you keep bringing up but I, in, in my, in, yeah, in my opinion, I Dude. would start taters on the left and in Kansas city, a place where Aaron Herrera has done well historically. Well, actually that's totally a lie. He was pretty terrible in the playoff game, but the game <laughs> before that he was good. Yeah. Uh, I would start Aaron Herrera on the right. And I would start Hossie Larrosco, Johan Kapelhoff, and Eric Colt along the back line. If it was up to me, but time will tell.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And time will tell on the 26th of this month, March, I'm um, at 5 p.m. playing on the road in Kansas City. It'll be a very big game for the team. We'll see if we can continue this good streak that we've got going. Kansas City, um, currently 12th in the West right now. Not great for them. They just lost 3-1 to on the road today to Chicago. So they're looking like a little bit weaker than they have in past years, but don't get this wrong. SKC has had our number, at least last year. They played very well except for, you know, end of the season. Um, we did beat them in that game. Yeah, we have
1: done well historically in Kansas City aside from one game in 2013, which I'm I'm not going to mention because I'll probably cry, but we've done (laughs) well there actually. So this is a place we can go and should pick up three points.
0: Yeah, I worry a little bit about it, but yeah, like it's a place where we just, I mean, last year we went there with all the confidence in the world and we've got a ton more confidence right now. So why not go ahead and uh, get another win? Um, Let's go ahead and project the scores for this game. I... I gotta apologize because I I, I, I believe in Real Salt Lake, but I really thought that Nashville's gonna steal this game. Um, but I think that I think the Real wins this game. I'm gonna jump back on the uh, the win wagon, I guess we could say, and uh, I think they get the dub in this one. Um, I'm going to say the final score ends up. I'm gonna say one zero. I think it's gonna be a defensive game. Wow. It's gonna be a kind of a lower scoring game, um, and I think the goal comes from the guy who's been banging him in who's tied right now um, and not, not taters. It's the other guy tied for the team leading goals this year. It's going to be Bobby Wood. I say he gets the goal um, in this game. We win 1-0. Alex, what's your take on this one?
1: I guess I'm going to zig where you zag and I'm going to go 2-2 two, two, draw. Okay.
0: That's... Uh, yeah, that's
1: all, that's all I got for you. I think goals are coming in this game. I think if I had to pick goal scores, I'm going to go with um, the easy answer is Bobby Wood, but it's also probably the right answer. I'm going to go Bobby Wood and Michael Chang.
0: Okay, yeah, that's I could definitely see that happening. Um, and you know th- that scoreline's not unbelievable either. It's something that I I could see happening with Real Salt Lake. Yeah, um, Justin
1: Glad's not there. Marcelo Silva's not there. I think it could get a little ugly. But two 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 is my final prediction.
0: Awesome two two. Uh, we will watch that game and see if you are right. See if I'm right. Hopefully we do better this week. But one to watch in this game. My one to watch in this game is going to be Aaron Herrera coming back from first minutes um, of the season in this last game against Nashville. I think that due to the the Justin Glad injury, and um, you know it's it's possible we see him come in play center back. Maybe he takes his old position at that right wing back slot where Andrew Brody's been holding it down. Either way, I think he either he he either starts if he's fully fit. If he's not fully fit, he at least gets. 30 minutes like he did in the game tonight. and so he's my guy to watch in this game. The work he did defensively with his pace really really helped out, especially at the end of the game when you got tired legs. Um, and moving forward in the attack, it, you know, it, he looked great. Um, I didn't see anything that made me think that he had lost a step up into this point with the injury. And so Aaron Herr is my guy to watch in this game. I think he can make a huge impact on this one, not only offensively, but definitely defensively as well. And hopefully help us get the win. Alex, who is your one to watch in this game? I'm caught
1: between anointing Johan Kapelhoff or Scotty Caldwell. And I think I'm going to lean Caldwell on this one okay. because I want to save Kappelhoff for when we've got our full strength starting uh, 11. And so in this game, it's the one thing I would watch with Scott Caldwell is his defensive positioning and how that allows Pablo to play more of a free eight role the way that Scott Caldwell closes space to oncoming attackers is really really impressive yeah he has been the reason in my opinion why Pablo has been able to succeed and win a lot of balls in a lot of really good spaces I mean a lot of the goals we've scored this year have come from Pablo either directly winning a ball and then playing a pass or winning a ball and then playing a pass and then playing a a couple more passes and I think a lot of that comes down to Scott Caldwell. So watch him, keep an eye on him and how he closes space before the ball even necessarily gets to him. He's, he's been really, really good at that. And he has been a very steadying presence along the midfield line.
0: I love it. He and Eric Cole, I think sometimes don't get the credit they deserve. And so I love that you're calling out Scott Caldwell as a guy to watch in this game. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he does defensively. Um, but on the episode today, I I don't think we've forgotten anything, Alex, only
1: thing Correctly. is rumors and there's none of them. Yep. <laughs> if okay. you want news well. on Anderson, Julio, Gustavo Cuellar or Jefferson Sabarino too bad. There's none. <laughs> Jefferson was kind of sort of rumored to go to the Timbers and then be writers. There said that's not happening. So yeah, hold your breath, continue to keep your fingers crossed and hope for the best. <laughs> that's all I got.
0: All right, perfect. Well, thanks Alex. Um, you know, let's, let's stay tuned and keep an eye on that. And, Also, be sure to watch the game this week. It should be a very good game, 5 p.m. on the road in Kansas City, playing against Sporting Kansas City. But that is it for us tonight on the episode and the podcast. Want to thank you all very, very much for tuning in and listening today. It means a lot that you take your time out of your day to go ahead and listen to two dudes ramble on about Real Salt Lake. So uh, we really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And if you haven't already, make sure to follow us on Twitter. Um, ask us questions, interact with us. We love the interaction, love talking to you guys, and uh, and love you reaching out to us. So at Ethan Kershaw Nine and at Alex Mowers, where you can find us on Twitter. Also, be sure to follow the Hive Sports at the Hive Sports on Twitter for all updates, all things sports uh, in Utah. Okay, so thank you all for tuning in, and uh, we hope you all have a fantastic week. And we will talk to you all later. See ya. Dumb.